Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Story Studio podcast, or as I said last time, the Story Solution podcast, which is not correct. It's not right. Um, our guest today is Joel Quinn. He's one of our writers. He also has a new book out called, uh, well, I feel like I want to save the title as a, as a punchline. Like, I want to get to that. So we'll just save that. Um, but but first, I, I do want to point out that we really do have a dueling beard situation and that we do have um, Joel is broadcasting from the upside down in uh, Stranger Things. He's broadcasting from the black of <laughs> I blackness. That. I'm like, I, I, I want to know where our alien is. There's usually an alien like looking to tack him over the shoulder. It's just not there this time. I had to climb up to the attic just about because <laughs> the family's here. And although they, they love me and I'm sure it's proof that they love me, that they want to be with me. They won't stop, so I had to lock myself away. Dave, oh, you want to comment like on that? Family. Dave has one of those. <laughs> well, Dave's trying to talk. I'm not going to let him. Oh. Wow, Dave's been, You know what it's like? It's like we've been <laughs> Dave. <laughs> you guys who aren't on YouTube are really missing out on the Dave show over here. He's oh, wringing Dave. its neck. Jesus. That's, That's okay. We, we, have, we have Dave 2.0 anyway. Like, it doesn't matter. This is the perfect episode for Dave to finally just peter out. I think it's part of a long con. He's going to stop showing up and be like, you can never hear me. <laughs> I think he cut his mic. I think that's what he does. You know what this is like? This is like this is like in one of those movies where the guy is taking the fake phone call, but he's got his hand over the, you know, the, the, the hang up button. And he's just having a fake call with the boss or whatever. This is what Dave's doing. And then the phone rings. Can you hear me? Now he can. Face pretends the microphone's not working, although more tragic and less funny than that. (laughs) Yes. Just like that. All right, Dave. Dave is back now. So what are we going to say about your family and how much you love them? I was going to say I'd be hiding in in an attic like Anne Frank. (laughs) Rare Anne Frank reference on this podcast. That was a long time to wait for an Anne. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Just waiting on that. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Isn't, isn't she just a couple steps removed from Hitler? It's kind of early, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> I figured I would go the other side. <laughs> yeah, it's a it's a very short jaunt from her attic to a Hitler joke. I, f- I feel the need to talk about our uh, our dislike of Hitler for a little bit after this. If you guys just want to go into that, it's not all right. Um, okay, so uh, something cool. So we have an extra person oh, for something really cool today. Story is like uh, like a Hitler story, but like he gets nabbed for some Me Too type thing. Do you see that thing where I try to divert and I got pulled right back? It's like The Godfather Three. Try to get away from the Hitler jokes, and they pull me right back in. <laughs> no, no, but see, Dave knows it's a good idea. He just wants to come on, Dave, explore. Yeah, there's going to be a new hashtag called Mich auch for Hitler. I, I'm waiting for the the, the angry emails. <laughs> All right. So speaking of anger emails, something cool. Anybody have something cool? Does the new guy go first? I can go first. Yeah, go first, new guy. So I'm a pretty big fan of uh, vinyl records. I like to go to flea markets and pick up vinyl and stuff. And I just found one that I'd been looking for, and that is Edgar Winter's White Trash album, uh, the recycled album. It's a great album, and uh, I urge anybody to go find it and listen to it. In any form, but particularly in vinyl. Wait, I was just going to say, you said you've been searching for it forever. It's really rare. Go out and get it. <laughs> but yeah. What's the best thing about the album? Uh, th- because it's uh, <laughs> because it's an Edgar Winter White Trash album, nobody's heard of it. Therefore, the album hasn't been listened to. So it's not really <laughs> <laughs> Much like my pleas. <laughs> <laughs> that was true of uh, Sean's mom's copies of Mr. Destiny as well. They were pristine. Fact. <laughs> 
Yeah, that's the stuff I look for. I look for like the Alan Parsons project, Jethro Tull, because I know nobody's listened to him and they're going to be in good shape. <laughs> I like how your musical takes, tastes are real pragmatic. Yeah. What niche can I corner? <laughs> the unlistened to niche, <laughs> apparently. That's my old, genre. Old dudes with really long hair. Yeah. How about you, Dave? How, have you survived the hurricane? Yeah. That, yeah. Uh, Is that your something cool? <laughs> oh, man, I forgot. We're missing worst show ever material here. No, it, it it went well. I I somehow avoided everything. So yeah, he said it went well, like he invited it. <laughs> yeah, it was fine. We had tea. Dave was inviting it. Those neighbors were shooting at it. Dorian was on his best manners. <laughs> yes. No. Uh, a a cold front came in at the last minute, pushed it back a little. So my power went out a few times, but not like for a week or two, like I feared and happened every other year that I've existed here in this suck hole of a fucking state. So yeah. <laughs> Dave's got Hurricane Dorian in his basement, just churning. <laughs> Where's all this wind coming from? It's churning and feeding on my hate. <laughs> well, at least Category it six. <laughs> what? I said at least it won't go hungry. No, it won't. Uh, that isn't something cool, though. Well, maybe it is. I guess it is because you avoided the hurricane. That's something cool. I, I think survival is <laughs> it's pretty is cool. cool for Dave most of the time. Yeah. All right. I don't think he expects to make it week to week. <laughs> I woke up. Didn't die in my sleep. Uh, I could talk about something. Never mind. <laughs> no, no. Don't ever do that. <laughs> if you introduce something and say never mind, we automatically know it's worth sharing. No, two nights ago, one of my wife's friends' husbands died in their sleep, and he's like my age. Oh, all right, something cool from Dave. Down. All right, it's not like what I expected. <laughs> Can we go back to Hitler? Is that a thing? <laughs> I, Welcome, new listeners. <laughs> wow. All right. Well, John, do you have anything cool? <laughs> um, <laughs> no, I, I do actually. Um, I was. Um, I've, I've started listening to the audiobook for everything is fucked by Mark Manson, which I'm enjoying. Um, I'm not terribly far into it. He's the same guy who did, um, uh, a, uh the subtle art of not giving a fuck, which I haven't read, but that I kind of want to. And I mean, clearly the guy's got, he, he got like, you know, branded with the, the, he's got the same branding angle as me apparently, because it's, everything is fucking and, uh, you know, it's just, it's very, who the hell would put fuck in their title? <laughs> right, exactly. Who would do that? Irresponsible, I might add. So we're in good company. Um, it is spelled F asterisk CK, not F asterisk UCK, which is the other popular spelling. But um, I'm kind of enjoying it because I'm on this jag right now of, um, I don't know, everything kind of is fucked. Like, I'm like, okay, yeah, I can get behind this. I can get behind the, the idea that everything's fucked. And it just talks about um, uh, the the law the lack of hope that's in the modern human condition and um because we're just kind of spinning it's it's very much in line with the story solution like a lot of people aren't operating with purpose or meaning for their lives and um because everything's fucked so um so anyway so i'm in, uh, i'm listening to that right now and enjoying it uh it like it will bring me up well, it, it actually brought me down first because i was like yeah i'm agreeing with everything this sucks i'm going to go on a shooting spree but then but then it Lifts back up. He's just hooking you in. Yeah, I had a conversation with someone yesterday who is um, is a real, like, optimistic, placid type person. And um, uh, they just started talking about how, like, 
things are going to shit. And I'm like, this isn't, this is what I get when I talk to Dave. You are not the type of person I need to hear this from. So it was, it was like, man, it's just, it, the source does matter. If I hear that everything is fucked from Dave, like, I don't feel bad. I'm just like, oh, that's status quo. But there's some people who can say everything's fucked. And I'm like, man, if you're thinking that way, Split your wrist. Well, I mean, I sent a list email a little while ago that basically the the line could have been everything is fucked. The subject line, like I'm, I'm feeling this way increasingly, and we have run across. Like I'm thinking of somebody else. Um, in well, I mean, so when Austin was on the show, uh, you know, talking about the the join the story project, his origin story on that was everything's fucked. So yeah, I mean, it's pervasive attitude right now, and he's a pretty optimistic, upbeat guy. Yeah, so my, uh, my my something cool is a book um, called The Corrections, which... Oh, um, by Jonathan Franzen. Yeah, I read it, or I bought it like 15 years ago. I Don't bought it, it around the same time, I think, and I yeah. have also not read it. I bought it when it was on an end cap at Barnes & Noble because same it was here. the hot new release, yeah. Um, and I, you know, I, I wanted to read it forever ago. I, I didn't... Um, I don't think I even moved my copy from Cincinnati to here. I think it was in the books I gave away. Um, but, but I picked it up on audio because, um, I just felt like, like, I like to, I like to read things that, uh, have something in common with the thing I'm trying to write at any given time. And the, my work in progress is like family bullshit, like what he's doing in the corrections. <laughs> and it's kind of interesting. There's two, there's two parts of this that are interesting. The first is that I, I am really enjoying the book and, um, there's there's a couple things. First of all, all the people in the book are pretty unlikable. <laughs> like they're just a bunch of unlikable people doing is unlikable he, things. Kind of unlikable. Um, yes, I heard that, but I didn't know that before I read it. I only read that because this is the second part of the story. So um, so I, I am enjoying it. And one of the things I'm enjoying about it is a book like that would have intimidated the shit out of me 15 years ago, right when I picked it up. It's like I mean I'd never read read any, or written anything at that point. And even if I'd read it a few years ago, I would have felt pretty intimidated. But I'm listening to it now and thinking, I, I, I get what he's doing. I admire what he's doing. I can, I can see it, but I don't feel intimidated by what he's doing. I can, I can put some of this stuff together. I can, I can write this kind of story. And I'm feeling really good about it, and I'm enjoying it. And I'm thinking, you know, because this is not a commercial project. This is something I'm, I'm doing in the company that, like, I, I, I just want to write this book. It doesn't really have a funnel. It's not a series. It's not going anywhere. <laughs> um, so, so I'm, I, I'm feeling really good because I, how much I am enjoying Franzen's book, even though the characters are all assholes and whatever. And then <laughs> is it I like the written I, version of girls? <laughs> um, no, no. I mean, I, I see the parallel, but no, uh, but, I, but I, uh, um, uh, I go, he does a lot of things that like Johnny, you'll know, I really like, like the way he uses the word corrections throughout the book as like thematic and. It's it's very cool. Well, I actually anyway, don't even know without going too far down a rabbit hole. Like I I haven't read the book despite knowing who the author was. Um, so what does the corrections refer to? If that's not a long answer, it depends on whose turn in the story it is. So for example, the first guy you spend a long time with is Chip, who's like the fuck up kid. Does he family. say right? Um, no, <laughs> he doesn't. Uh, but he writes a screenplay and he feels like it's been misinterpreted. And if only he could get it back and make a few corrections on it, the world would understand mm. it in a better way. Oh, I already so like that idea. On, yeah, you, you would really like this, Johnny. It, it is when when I said literary as fuck before we read or wrote <laughs> Axis, this is kind of one of those books that was in my head. 
And so that's why I wanted to visit it now before writing this. Anyway, the punchline to this whole thing is I finally go and I want to read some reviews and see what other people think about this book. Everyone hates the book. Yeah, I was just going to say, I was going to predict that. (laughs) Yeah, it's got three stars. Um, you know, I think they, he's like shit on a whole bunch of other writers and he's like this big literary snob. So I oh, think- well, fuck that guy. I hate guys like that. But, <laughs> but the, the, but the, the whole point that like, it's a little meandering and like my big worry about this book, like, uh, and it's a, it's a, maybe I'll worry. let you finish it before picking it up. <laughs> <laughs> my, my, my big worry with this book and is that it's, it's just too masturbatory. It's just a pile of sh- steaming shit. Oh, well, that'll sh- help you with your confidence for your book then. <laughs> Right, exactly, exactly. I was That'll feeling, be the review for your book. That's the whole point. I was feeling good about it. I went and looked at these reviews, and they're like, this is a masturbatory pile of shit. <laughs> so, Some random guy named Joe's going to leave a horrible review. Yeah, I, I'm... I'm <laughs> <laughs> okay, I don't know if we can explain why that's funny, but it is. <laughs> All right. Anyway, really... Um, I don't know how to feel about it, but I'm still excited about my project. The end. <laughs> All right. Yay. Okay. So, so getting to, um, getting to what we're, why we have Joel on today is Joel has a, a book that's coming out. Um, uh, see, I never know how to say this because it's, it's next week as we, it's next Wednesday as we record, but it's a lot of you are going to hear this on audio. So it's probably already out, um, for, for most of you. So that would be what? Sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth, 10th, the 10th of, um, of September, uh, Joel's new book is coming out and it is called Joel. What's it called? Fuck the details. And the tagline is, um, fewer words, sharper stories. That's correct. So can you explain the, Which uh, really does describe your writing style too, like just <laughs> in a sentence. Well, okay. So, so quickly before, um, before I ask you the next question, if, if you guys want to see like the, the official description, if you're, if you're curious, I have this on hand, I want to get it out of the way once. Um, we do have a short link to fuck the details. It's Sterling. Well, not a short link. It's the page on our site, sterlingandstone.net slash F the details, F the details. Um, and, but, but, uh, Joel, can you tell us what that means to fuck the details? Yeah, it's mostly, uh, it's, it, some people would say it's, it's instruction, but it's really guidelines. Uh, and, and, and what I think about when I try to write description and that is, it's okay to use fewer words. You don't have to describe every tiny little detail of something because chances are the reader knows what grass looks like. They know what pizza tastes like. They know what that shit looks like. You don't know what Tom Clancy grass looks like though. (laughs) You're right. (laughs) Or Tom Clancy pizza. (laughs) Yeah, man. But (laughs) Dave's going to insert shit like that all the time. You just, you can't take the beat. Like don't let him finish. Just, just you remember bulldoze the through it. When all he would say is he'd punctuate every conversation. Pornhub. <laughs> he might have been a little, little woozy when he was doing I don't that. Pornhub punctuation, though, that that seemed to that certainly gets me more excited for the show. No, it's <laughs> uh, that's it. It's just it's really how I approach description, and and not necessarily how another should approach it. But it's mostly saying that it's okay to use fewer words. It's okay to rely on the reader to do some of the work for you. You don't have to spoon feed them or hold their hand. They're actually pretty smart and can create pretty vivid images in their own mind. So I've read the book, so I actually know the answer to this, (laughs) but uh, how do you decide? Like what, what, what is something where you decide um, this is worth some description and this is something that I just need to get through because the story is more important at this point. 
A lot of it is based on who it's going to be important to in the story, you know, and, and there, there are a couple of sections like examples that I use of, you know, what the main character sees. And it's very clear that a lot of what I am writing down in that fake description is just shit that the, the author knew and thought was awesome. You know, but then when you go back and look at it and you realize these aren't things that that character would necessarily think about or, and, or remotely care about. Like, that's it, too. It's not even the thinking. It's the I know this character. I've spent I spent a few chapters with this guy now, and I'm going to argue he actively wouldn't care about this thing the author's telling me about. Yeah. And it, it was it's one of the things I learned early on because uh, I, I wanted to write from reading. You know, I, I read a lot of books when I was young and, and really wanted to be that guy. I was like, I want people to feel the same way when they read one of my books that I feel reading this book right now. And then I started to read really dead science fiction and, and started falling into that exposition track where everything's going along really great. And all of a sudden there's three pages of some guy just talking about how the nuts and bolts of some bullshit that he created works because he needed to know it. You know, he needed to know how the teleporter works so he could write the rest of the book. He you know, left so it in there for everyone else. <laughs> yes. And when you're a kid, especially, I, you know, it blew my mind. I'm like, why would you do this? Because I don't know what any of that. And so at the time, I assumed it was an adult thing. This is something that people smarter than me get. So fine, I would just skip it. And then I found that when I got older and I came across uh, passages like that, I skipped those two. So it's a thing that I started to dislike. So you never grew out of it? Nope. Never I did. love when a big fantasy book opens up with 25 pages explaining the history of the world. Well, in fantasy, that's expected almost. Uh, no, well, it's too much. Well, not it's, good. It's and not all the songs that were sung. I don't know if it's even genre. If you look at like, um, if you look at, it's a stylistic thing that's getting less and less okay over time. Because we're more immediate now, as a yeah, because everything's fucked, <laughs> right? <laughs> but if you if you're watching like a movie, okay, take Grapes of Wrath, right? If you read Grapes of Wrath, it has an entire chapter before you even get to, to Tom Joe. Like there's there's this whole thing where um, it, it's just kind of slow, and they're introducing the Dust Bowl, <laughs> and it's just really slow and descriptive. Now, I mean, Steinbeck could probably get away with that even more, but I think the point is. More story, most storytellers can't get away with that because now we expect to be in the story, in the POV. We want to know. We don't want long description. And, you know, that long establishing opening shot that fantasy books have, that's because they're fantasy books. And the no, people no, no. Who are like, well, well, there's good ways to do it and bad ways to do it. I'm talking about the bad ways that it's just information overload and well you can make it interesting i mean stephen king a lot of times it's the author clearing his throat it 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 can be but like um i know the tommy knockers has a whole i think it's the tommy knockers has a whole section where stephen king it's just like the town and it's told in an omniscient pov um and it's a whole chapter about the town but but king writes the i know i realize this is different it's description but it's like place setting as well but king does those in such an engaging voice that it's like, oh, okay, you're going to tell me about every little bit, bit of thing about the town, but I'm still engaged. It's like how um, scenes where nothing's happening can still be really magnetic and compel you forward if they're written a certain way. Um, and of course, I'm, I'm certainly not saying, uh, you know, don't do it at all or don't do it a certain way or anything like that. I'm just saying that there are things that a reader is going to skip over or a certain kind of reader. They're just going to do it. So if you want to make room for a little more story, go ahead and don't include that shit. 
Well, let, let's hit the why, right? Because, um, I mean, the tagline is sharper sto- fewer words, sharper stories for a reason. So fewer words should appeal, I would hope, to the writers who are like, oh, okay, I'm not going to write three paragraphs of description. That's going to save me 10 minutes or 15 minutes. And for the um, the reader and ultimately the author's sales, we're talking about a sharper story means something that you just zip through and want the next one and leave positive reviews yep. and all that. Would you right. agree that, that those are the major whys of, of fuck, fucking the details? I would agree with that completely. And it's, 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 uh, excuse me, it's also a lot about speed bumps or, or stutters <laughs> in that uh, you don't want to put anything in the way of, of the reader getting to the next thing. That's not to say that you can't let them linger, that, that the, a nice turn of a phrase is something you can reward a reader with. But if, you know, a lot of people are listening to things in the car, they've got 15 minutes, you know, they have just a couple minutes while they're in line at the DMV or maybe 70 minutes at the line at the DMV, depending. <laughs> but, uh, you know, there a lot of people are consuming uh, in two ways. One is they, they, they eat it all at once, like they'll binge watch something, or they do little tiny bites when they get the time. So a sharper story with fewer words is a way to get more story to somebody in less time. It's just a way for them to consume it in chunks as opposed to having to slog through, you know, pages and pages. Not that that's not rewarding, but... So when go the other way, go ahead. No, 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 go, go ahead. Do you ever go the other way where you feel like, um, man, this, this uh, either yourself as a writer or a reader where you get to a passage and you think, okay, well, this really deserves some time, some description because you know, it's like a camera shot. Like Mm -hmm. your, your, your camera is spending more time here for a specific reason. And you enjoy that as a reader, or you think, man, I, I need to, I need to spend a few paragraphs describing this. Like what are those scenarios if they exist? Like as a reader, it's, it's it's less often that I will wish we had lingered longer on something. (laughs) I can imagine. Uh, Usually if it's, if it's already described well, and if it's something that, you know, because it's a thing that I mentioned, if you can leverage common knowledge or leverage the reader's uh, experiences and perceptions or perspective rather then they already know what all of that stuff looks like. So oftentimes there's no reason to linger on a description. It's, you just trust that they get it. Um, and then again, there's no, you know, there's no hard and fast rule. There's nothing to say. Uh, maybe I should have told him what color the guy's eyes are, or maybe I should have said what her perfume smells like. Well, I, I, mean, think there's a, I think there's a very general rule that you have, um, which is, it, are you describing this thing for you or for the reader? Right. Why are you describing it? When you describe, like you said, the perfume example, like if, if, if you're talking about there's two people and one of them is like entranced by this woman wearing perfume – then I think it's appropriate to, to talk, or, to go, to rhapsodize. Right, it right. to be a reason. It's like one thing Bonnie always tags on. I've seen her tag it on every single person in the company. <laughs> it doesn't matter who's writing it. I'll see her tag something that says like, what is the point of this? Like if yeah. you're noticing the smell, like because every single thing that you say, you can turn into a character moment. Yeah. So like, you know, if somebody smells perfume, is it a good thing or is it a bad thing? It can't be in a different For Dave, it's a bad thing. It's right. a bad I'm sitting in a restaurant trying to eat and they sit someone next to me that just reeks of perfume. Yeah, it's a bad thing. So if we were writing Dave, we would definitely talk about the perfume. <laughs> but I, it's a trap sometimes that writers fall into, and that is they're told you have to engage all the senses. So they will just throw that shit in there. Oh, he smelled perfume or he tasted this or he touched that. And even though oftentimes they think, well, that's how you engage a reader is, is, is you explore these senses so they get a feel of what everything's going but if the character wouldn't necessarily be aware of that, don't include it. 
Yeah, if they're going to like a new place or something and it smells exotic or different. Yeah. And I think a lot of times when um when you do let the reader fill in the details, especially about everyday sort of things, they feel more involved in the story because they're filling it in. Yeah, I mean, in in on writing, Stephen King says the description should begin in the author's mind, but finish in the reader's. He has this whole section about how you should describe the min- the, the interesting details that pique attention or cap, you know, curiosity in the reader, and then leave the reader to fill in the rest. You aren't going to give every little detail. Um, I, I, well, I think it's the thing that we always come back to, which is you as the creator are in control of the camera. You decide what shots they're getting. You decide what order of information. And yeah, you want to engage them in their senses, but I think ultimately the only sense that really matters most is emotion. Like, are you grabbing them on an emotional level? Are you involving them in the story? And you're not necessarily going to involve them in the story by talking about the, what the knife looks like, right? Right. Yeah, and there is a, a specific passage in the book about that, about what, again, obviously is what the author thought was cool about the scene and not necessarily what the character was going to be thinking about. And when, when you talk about emotions, I think that's what the story is. You know, it's not necessarily the description. It's, it's, the, it's the emotion. It's the engagement. And if you can save words in description and then use those words to engage the reader uh, with emotion, that's going to be a better story regardless of genre or what you're writing about anything that the reader feels ownership of, you know, and those images that they create in their mind, they own, you know, I just uh, sort of guided their hand, but they painted it, you know? So that's what people love about a lot of these stories. It's, it's, you know, that's, that's my story because they experienced it. You know, it's, it's much more easy to, it's much more easy to sound stupid. Anyways, it's much easier to, uh, you're, you're giving yourself more rope to hang yourself with basically. I know. Yeah, pretty much. It's easier to, uh, Oh, I didn't mean you personally, Joel. I meant that I'm trying to help you with your point. If I'm understanding it right. I I am. I am. But now, (laughs) and now I lost what I was going to say. Damn it. Yeah. I agree with everything. (laughs) Uh, I think level of detail can also, um, serve is, um, a little bit of about the character's psychological profile. Like somebody with OCD might be noticing a lot. Yes, of stuff. yes. And but that's that's what we mean by make them make those details yeah. in the character moments. Otherwise, you're wasting the reader's and, time. And, but somebody that's sociopathic or like, just say you have this horrible boss, and he just kind of like views everyone as like nuisances or whatever. Like as he's walking through the office, he's like, "Well, there's plain face," or you know, he's just thinking of people. <laughs> Very, very like short, nothing. Uh, you you get a feel for what he's like versus you know a a, a nicer, warmer character. Mm-hmm. So I have a a personal detail that I can add to this. So um, so Joel's writing style is very ratatat. It's very just like boom, boom, boom. They're short, punchy sentences. Um, and and I, I actually really like Joel it. Has, it. Joel has mad respect for people's time. So whether it's in a, a story meeting, whether it's in an actual story, he wants to get to the point. He doesn't want to waste time. Um, doesn't mean he doesn't want to have a good time, but he's efficient. So what's interesting about this for me is that as as much as I enjoy, enjoy Joel's writing style, it's nothing like my writing style. Like I actually am. No, they're opposite. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm indulgent. Like I, I really do. Um, I do More settle in. Uh, I'm less flowery, but just as indul- we're both indulgent. 
Yeah. Um, yeah, so I would say Johnny's actually more verbose than me, but not as flowery. Wow. So, so I would be, um, <laughs> it would be really easy for me listening to this. And there are probably some of you who are like, well, that's great for writers like Joel who, you know, write with that voice, but I'm different, but I'm also, the other thing that I'm doing right now is I'm, I, I want to tell this story in yeah, full. Good it's, luck trying to tell. I know exactly where you're going. Yeah. I want to tell this. I want to tell the story in full at some point. Um, because I think there's a lot of really good lessons, uh, like really good lessons. So, and I think that Neve has actually already flagged it for when I can tell this story because I'm not through the project. That's why I can't tell the story. But um, I'm in the midst right now of I've been working on a project for a really long time that just doesn't want to go, a, a fiction project. And the the punchline on this is that after about ninety thousand words, um, I'm just starting over. Like I'm just Pull like Dave. yeah. There's no way that I can that I can do it. So I'm starting over. And one of the things that Sean and I went back and forth a lot, like, well, should I try to retool what's there and blah, blah, blah. And the decision was, no, it makes more sense to start totally fresh because I know the story. I can do it again and I'll do it better. But I wanted to read through what I did to mine little details, like not for an outline, but just like, okay, there's something I want to include. So I'm reading it. But because I know that I'm just mining details, I'm moving uh, I'm not moving. I'm, I'm only moving as slow as I have to. Like I'm, I'm actively trying to move quickly because I don't want to waste time. And it's ninety thousand words. And what I found myself doing is exactly what Joel described on just a different level, where um, I'm, I'm reading through and I'm like, oh well, here comes a bunch of description, and I can just keep skipping through that. And what I've said to Robin a few times because she's out there today while I've been reading is, it's so clear to me. That like this book is it doesn't go anywhere. It's it's I think it's well written. I think it's interesting in little sections. I think the chapters, some of them are kind of interesting, but as a whole, the book just fucking walks in circles. And I'm like, it's so obvious to me. And I'm like, why did I not see this? Why did Sean not tell me? And then I'm like, well, probably because he doesn't want to say no, just stop and start over. Like we we tried to figure it out together. But I just think that's interesting that even no. I who write for both. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree. I, I think that like I, I picked up stuff from, from Joel's book. I, I really I like the pitch, but I didn't really know how it would work. But I trust Joel as a as a thinker and a storyteller mm-hmm. enough that I knew that it would be something good. But when I actually got it, I'm like, I really like the approach here because I do think that whether you are um, you know, a terse writer or a verbose writer, there is something to pick up. Um, let me let me ask about details from the other end. So we talked a lot about what details not to include, but I actually think that's not your superpower. I think it's your writing style. I think your superpower is the details you do include. Um, you're one of the best idea people I've ever met. So let me let me frame this by telling a very quick Joel story. This is the first time I knew I was in love with Joel's brain. Um, so uh, Joel came to not his um, beard. Uh, his his beard was fierce for sure. <laughs> Um, but, but no, this was, uh, he was at our, our world builder event for, um, the inevitable. And we were talking about like robots. We were just, it was pure ideation for two days. And, um, I'd known Joel for one of those days, <laughs> not a long time at all. And, um, uh, the second day, do you remember what this is, Johnny? I love it when you ask, do I remember what this is? Cause I never know. Never. All right. <laughs> okay. So we were trying to figure out a way um, for uh, robots to have a drug habit. Um, <laughs> That's which, right. I remember that. <laughs> okay. So we needed robots to have a drug habit. So they could be like robots on the, uh, on like there could be robots. It's like that episode of Futurama where Bender is getting high off electricity. <laughs> yeah. We really needed like a way to um, 
make this this work. And Joel doesn't sit down. Joel stands like a like a like a uh, bouncer. Yeah, like yes, he's got a bouncer's countenance, and he's out there. He's standing like a bouncer in the room, and he takes three big steps into the circle where everybody else is, um, and he says. He goes on this this thing. I'm not going to try to duplicate it, but basically they're data packets. You know that like um, you know if you get like a, an upgrade for your computer, it wouldn't work on the same way as this operating system. So it basically just fucks with them. And he describes how it would be like a drug for a, a robot. And it was just the best idea, so so perfectly articulated at the right moment. And Joel has done that time and time and time and time again with our story meetings. You know, we'll all be trying to like. Um, hunt and peck around an idea and then it, it's similar to those of you longtime listeners who heard the one time that that uh, dave kind of we were all it's a knowledge bomb he was like motherfuckers this is what happens boom yeah, mic dropped it, right and he just did <laughs> he did that live um what if you did this joel does that in our, our meetings a lot so the question is like <clears throat> you're so good at just mining creative ideas from a group and, and coming up with that really sharp one um or just pulling stuff from the ether so do you have a process for that? What is it that you're bouncing off of at any given time? What I usually do is I make sure I don't say no to anything. If, uh, if I have anything, any kind of idea, a spark or a sentence or anything, I don't say no to it. A, a lot of writers, they get rid of too much stuff in their head. They get rid of too much stuff in the very initial phase of ideation. And so anything that I get, I explore and you'll find that you'll keep a lot more that way. And the ideas come out a lot better. That's really it. I know that sounds, no, no, it's, it's punchy. It's just like, yeah, your, your, your ideation yeah, no. style is the same as your writing style. Right. It fits yeah. your personality. It's okay. So let's contrast that with Dave for a second, because Dave's Dave's usually the opposite. Like he'll, he does start with no, uh, way less than he used to. But if an idea doesn't click immediately with Dave, he's less likely to mine it for something where you'll sit with it longer. So is that something that it was more learned behavior or is that just like, that's how you respond to ideas? Well, not to, uh, to put Dave on the spot at all, but it, it has more because we all love and trust Dave more than he loves and trusts himself. Yeah. And that's, that's kind of part of it. So I, I trust myself to work out the idea. You know, I'm not going to say, Oh, people think that's going to be stupid. I'll let people go ahead and tell me afterwards. But initially, <laughs> My assumption is that I, I think I can do something with this. I just I just don't throw anything away. I'm an idea hoarder. <clears throat> do you do you find that? Do you put ideas like like if, if that if the robots weren't junkies, if we didn't use that in inevitable, do you think that that would have found its way back to you at some point? Oh yeah, it's a great idea. Of course. It I, I te- in defense of myself, other than my own self-loathing, and uh, <laughs> uh, usually f- for me, an idea is, is kind of like uh, dropping on a spider web. Like sometimes I'll drop in, they'll just be dead zones and nothing's connecting. And other times everything just fucking lights up and it's magical. So I want more of the magical things. And, and I know... You know, I, I, I should be able to make other things work, but I find when it just naturally, like when everything's just firing for me anyway, I tend to come up with something I like a lot more than, you know, banging my head against a wall because that gets painful. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I found that with many projects with Dave where we're on a we're on a track and it it, it can get the whole creative process is lubricated if Dave 
feels like he's not forcing the idea. Even if we know that there's a good idea there, but we're trying to find, you know, the three steps that will make the idea work, that's never, ever, ever as much fun as, you know, like, okay, what if we did this and this and this and those naturally fit together? Where I think it's the opposite with Johnny. I, I think when we have really complicated things where it's a, a difficult path to get to the end, that's almost part of the process and it makes it more rewarding. But there's that neither is right or wrong. It's different ways of ideating. Yeah. Well, I, I think part of it for me is my, my own mental limitations because I, ha I have so many things I deal with on a routine shit that my OCD brain, OCD brain is going through and it is taxing. It's mentally taxing in a way that like, I don't want to also be doing that in my work where I'm just like, because then I become way too obsessive and anxious and it just, it's, it's misery. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, drugs. Is sir, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There was something I was, I was going to say on the heels of that and I, I, I can't remember. So I'll, I'll, I'll just divert 90 degrees. And I actually don't know um, your like writing history, Joel. I mean, in in many ways, um, a lot of the things that happen in this company are uh, Sean will discover something or come up with something, and then I'll find out that we're doing it. And and um, bringing Joel aboard was was one of those things. Is like, well, we're working with Joel, and I was like, okay, well, that seems great, and it, it has been. But I actually don't know what like what your writing history is like when you started writing and and how you like how easy it was to join the troop that you're in now and all that stuff um man i took too long to start writing i, I wish i had started earlier and uh, i touch on that and fuck the details a little bit but uh it's a uh, if i had written it down it's a part the reader would have skipped over so i didn't <laughs> <laughs> it's a detail fuck it nope yeah, I, I'd wanted to write for a long, long time, and it was, it was it was really just fear. I just didn't do it because I was afraid, afraid that nobody would like it or that I wouldn't be successful or whatever authors usually fear when they go to publish. And um, it was, well, it was you guys. I was watching the previous iteration of the show and realized I could probably do it myself poorly, but I could do it, and so I did. These and, assholes can do it. I can do it. <laughs> yeah, that's actually that's actually how it went. That, that was, was like, verbatim. Look at these guys. Jesus. No, I, uh, I, I followed uh, as much of your advice as I could and, and did some self-publishing. And it was one of the books that I had written was a uh, like a young adult science fiction book. And I thought it had all of my worst and best habits. And that's the one I actually gave to you, Sean. <laughs> and I, you, uh, I guess, reviewed it or, or you read it in exactly the way I thought you would. You saw exactly the, the flaws, but you also saw the good things. And I wanted you to know this is what you're getting. You know, this is the writer that you're getting. And he was like, yeah, we can work with that. I was like, thank God. So, yeah, because the thing about Joel is, um, uh, I mean, obviously, you're a born storyteller. You know, the. You're, you're a born storyteller in the same way that, that Dave is a born storyteller. Like there are mechanics to figure out in the early days, but you know, like on a, just a genetic level, what it takes to tell a story and to engage the reader. Well, in a natural ear for like metaphor and stuff. I mean, or, yeah, you know, Joel's yeah. use of figurative language is really exceptional. Yes, and but that's, it's, it's not just figurative language. It's the fact that he can like... I'm good at figurative language, but it takes me a paragraph usually to do what Joel does in a sentence. And that's magical. Like he can, he could get the same emotion that takes me 40 words. He could do an eight. That's awesome. 
And and I could see that, but I could also see, oh, well, there's a lot of mess here. But, but that stuff is just teachable. I think what we want more than anything in Sterling and Stone is the people who like need to tell stories and are willing to do the work. And that's another thing with Joel. Like you could clearly see, like, look, I just want to work. I just want to do the work. You tell me what to do, I'll do it. And, you know, people who want to tell stories are capable of telling stories and are willing and able to do the work. Well, that's the DNA we're looking for. It's not master craftsmen because that can be taught. And I think that's something that um, having worked with uh, with Joel and Sean writing that uh, that you two have in common is you don't have ego about the things that uh, mm-hmm. aren't working. If I if I point out something. Or and not that I'm the expert because there's shit that I do wrong as well. But I think we each have our, our uh, blind spots. And we each have strengths, and none of us have been, uh, you know, well, fuck you. <laughs> like, we, we like, yeah, okay, cool, okay. I, I, I can, I can learn from that. I can grow from that, and I think that's true for all of us. That you know, when someone points out something, and a lot of times, like. When I was younger and I was a writer, if someone had done that, I probably would have been would have been way more defensive and had more ego involved in it. And I think that might come with age. I don't know, or just just writing experience, lot. maybe. Yeah, yeah. I mean, while you're noticing the similarity between um, Dave and Joel, if you guys are playing the drinking game of find things that are alike between them, from hiding to their family to big beards to all that stuff. Um, is that while you're listening to this uh, silky voice motherfucker, I believe he is recording Dave's book into in um, into the darkness right now. Right? Are you yeah. still recording into the darkness audiobook? I just completed it yesterday, and I'm will be sending the files in forthwith. So that's some really cool stuff that you guys haven't even seen yet. Um, I sent out, um, you know, I wrote that stone table email this week. If you guys are on that list um, about m- me recording my oh. audiobooks and how I turned this little tiny closet to my left here into um, my, my studio, my, my booth, but I'm only recording the ones that I'm, that I wrote. So I'll record the story solution and 10 X author and later this year, the fiction formula. Um, but Joel's recording all the other nonfiction. So I, I don't even know, like, is uncle Joel still a thing for some reason? Every time it comes up, uncle Joel will read oh, them. No, it's, it's uncle Joel. We all like, uncle and why Joel is it uncle Joel? I'm actually not even sure. Because it just sounds like you would want to sound like Uncle Stevie, like Uncle Joel. Yeah, yeah. It's better than Uncle Tickles. <laughs> <laughs> That's a different book. No personal yeah. stories, Dave. <laughs> yes, of, of course. Dave brought it right back to Uncle Tickles. <laughs> no shock back yeah. right there. I recorded um, the audio for "Fuck the Details," and and it, it's it went pretty well. Uh, I haven't heard it, so maybe it'll bomb. Well, so, Dave, how do you feel about somebody reading your? Are you excited to listen to? Um, Into the Dave's Dark never going to listen to it. Well, you know, I, I kind of wanted to do it myself, but nobody asked. And oh my god, Dave, I was going to make a joke earlier. I'm trying to imagine you doing my process and how frustrating it is. You'd be like, Yeah, I, I would be. An, uh, yeah, I'd be annoyed. I actually think we should let him record his own audiobook. We don't, but not cut much, it. Right? Don't do punch and roll. Like right. every time he messes up, we'll be like, Motherfucker, and he'll do it again. No, like. I, I mean, we could start this now, and he won't even realize that it's been on sale, completed for like eight months. Yeah, you don't call it unedited; you call it unabridged. You put a positive yeah. shine on it. No edits at all. And, and when someone's driving, they're listening to me tell a story, and they just fuck, 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 and they're like, "What?" Yeah, I, I actually think that would be awesome. Um, okay, so so so, Joel, I, I do have I have another question. This might be fun. Um, 
So I, I know uh, we've been sending out more emails lately, and a lot of the questions that we're getting back are some version of, I'm just curious what it's like inside the studio. Um, hmm. You know, people aren't asking us necessarily even, um, what is it, how do you do this thing? The questions are more specifically aimed at, how do you guys do this thing? How is it being done within the studio? And I really exactly. love that question. Yeah, well, I love that question because um, that's exactly what we're trying to um, to build here. Is a, a you know very like an, an edge boundary pushing studio that's doing different things. And I like that it's being personalized because I don't think there's a lot of value in abstract advice or general advice. And me and Johnny and Dave have been doing this a long time, so we have our perspective. But you were one of the very first people who you know, came into the studio, joined the studio, and you were there through all of the really, really rough patches where we are trying to figure this out. Like, what is it like? And you're still here for some reason. (laughs) Right. So, like, (laughs) is there... Come for the stories, stay for the Dave. uh, (laughs) Is there anything that you want to to share about that? Kind of like what it's been like? And I mean, don't feel shy. Like, the good stuff is obviously great, but the bad stuff too. Bad stuff is way more fun. Like, go ahead. I'm telling you, everyone listening would rather hear the bad stuff <laughs> anyway. I mean, whether I'm going to say bad stuff or not, I will start with it is a good group of people who are doing good things. And um, before I get to the bad stuff, we'll talk about how much help and support I have personally gotten and how much that everybody offers everybody else. And um, one of the one of the issues I had was um, and sometimes uh, I'm loath to talk about word count or productivity or, or how much I do because that seems to be a sore spot for a lot of writers. If, if they don't uh, produce as many words as you or, you know, they, they think you're bragging or whatever. But if, if I sit down and start writing and I don't do a thousand words, you know, immediately, then I failed and it was a miserable day. So I usually end up doing a few thousand words. And the writing was coming pretty easy to me and I was learning a lot. The, uh, the edits were coming back fairly positive, at least positive for me that I was learning. And then I just stopped writing. I just stopped. I can't even explain it. I know it's, uh, I would look over and I would see the word processor, the, the, the chair pulled out from the table, ready to go. And I would just fucking turn away and go do something. Before else. you finish the, um, before you finish the story, I have to know if you're literally using a word processor. He actually is. Are you? Yeah, yeah the, the Alpha Smart Neo He and Marie both that's what they both write on. Wow, that's that's badass. I feel like deter like you know, figuring out delving in on that a little bit. But okay, yeah, that's awesome. Well, I mean you just we're talking about your vinyl records, so I think it's all coherent. <laughs> I am trees out of the ground by hand. <laughs> yeah, I do that too. Then, yeah, I'm sorry. Joel's like, wait, Well, I'm actually, injured. Yeah, I'm yeah, injured right wait. now. Well, how'd that happen? Well, I was pulling a stump out of the ground. Okay. <laughs> All right, but but there's there's actually. Would you say that that's kind of where um, where it, it started? Because you were on like a path right before that, and then you had an yes. injury, and that kind of unplugged you for like that fucked with your motivation a lot, right? It did because I I, I ruptured the distal biceps tendon on my right arm, and then had some uh, subsequent nerve damage, and it was difficult. To, I kind of had to relearn to type with that hand, and uh, which is stupid because I type with my index finger, so it's not like it was that hard to relearn, but. <laughs> You know, I uh, I had almost at the at the exact moment of my injury, I had almost uh, made a deal with myself to to be better, to do more, to and I was I was super excited. 
I and remember then, <laughs> you oh. were like this high, and then like a day yeah. later, you were. Just- That's why you never celebrate. God will fuck you. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Uh, it's, that's accurate, but damn, son. But uh, so uh, I, I did get over it, obviously. But there was still something about sitting down and doing the work again. There, there, there was no reason for me not to do it. Everything was still the way it always had been. There was just <laughs> yeah, there was just no reason to do it. So I asked for help. I, you know, I went to all of the fine, fine people at Sterling and Stone, and I said, "Hey guys, I, I got this problem, and if I don't solve this problem, I, you know." I'll get fired because I still need to do the thing that I said I would do. And uh, we started that uh, a channel in Slack called the Daily Fuck Yeah channel. And it was it was originally started just so I could post a daily word count that I promised to produce. So I said I will produce this much. And actually, you said that if I didn't produce a certain average that I wouldn't be able to join the story meeting calls. I was like, motherfucker. Well, now, OK, you're whitewashing this. What did you actually tell us to tell you to help you out? Ah, I don't remember actually. You told us to to yell at you, call you names, say you're oh, stupid. Yeah. Yeah. Rate me. Absolutely. <laughs> Dude, yeah, like that bro shaming where you tell your 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 buddy who's not fat that he's a fat piece of shit just to get him on the treadmill. It's like that. <laughs> That's what I wanted. And it's what I needed because not only was somebody expecting me to to produce, which I mean as a company you obviously were, but these were now friends who I had promised specifically. I'm going to do this much and I'm going to post it here. And then I had no way to lie because, you know, in a month there was a book due. So if I was saying, oh, yeah, I'm writing all this. It's great. And then the book didn't show up. You'd be like, you're a lying piece of shit. And I would have gotten fired. <laughs> That's the thing that there, there had to be because accountability doesn't work without compliance. It doesn't matter if somebody's there to hold you accountable. If you don't comply with your promise, you know, what are they going to hold you accountable to? So yeah, one thing I really love about um, about the studio, especially over the last I mean, it's been really over the last year, but but over the last six months, we're really seeing it, you know, more and more all the time is how unique every creator is. Like we're just we all have things in common, but we all have very different ways of creating and and di- and that that means we have different needs. But the more honest we are as a group with what we need to be our best selves, like the better we can all chip in. And so I've seen this like real accelerated growth for all of us. And it's really, it's just, it's communication based. It's, Hey, I need help with this thing. And even though I don't think like everybody else, um, you know, <laughs> I'm, I need practical help and you're finding it like author yeah. to author to author. When someone else gets their little breakthrough, they're like, Oh, well maybe if I just like, tell everyone my shit and I'll get a breakthrough too. And that's been just kind of revelatory. That's actually a cool point to reiterate. And that is people at first, there was an initial hesitance. Nobody wanted to, it's difficult sometimes to throw your hand up and ask for help. And I am seeing now that people are less likely to hesitate. They are, people are more likely to step forward and and say they need help. And that, well, now we have that help channel. Like as a what what is that's not even a month old. We just we have a help channel now. It's like hey, yeah, the daily fuck yeah is share your wins, and the help channel is ask for help. Like that's the purpose of the Slack channel. Yeah, we Dave, do have a really eclectic group. Help channel. What was that? I asked Dave if he knew about the help channel. I know the answer. I just <laughs> <laughs> despair looming. That's all he ever posts. I, I asked for help moving a body once, but nobody replied. <laughs> 
<laughs> Anyone know how to dissolve a body in acid? Asking for a friend. Um, yeah, it's Dorian a, is down in my basement being a real dick. Any advice? Well, it's it's interesting too because I think that you know we're going to continue to give you guys glimpses inside the studio, not because it's masturbatory and we want to like just show off, but because I think there's a lot of lessons to be learned about collaboration and working with other authors. Um, you know, I actually I don't have the schedule in front of me, so I apologize. But I, I, within just a, I think a handful of weeks, we're going to have another one of our writers on um, named Ninety, who really kind of couldn't be di- more different from Joel. So we do we have a super eclectic um, group, and everybody approaches the craft differently. But there's just this mutual respect that everybody has, and this level of um, professionalism. Even though we're not very professional, and we're not even all that experienced, some of us. It's it's just, but like you know what I mean, like professionalism in attitude or um, a willingness to help maturity. Um, it, it's just, it's a really cool process, I think. Um, all right. So I guess that's enough. I mean, we've talked for quite a long time here. I actually could keep going. This has been fun, but um, any, any final concluding things that we didn't hit Joel that you want to tell everybody yell at him? <laughs> well, I did want to go back to where you said that you were sometimes indulgent. And I, I wanted to point out that your, uh, your indulgence is often not yours. You and Sean both. Uh, it's not Sean coming through with a bunch of words that he wants to show people how awesome he is. It's almost always the indulgence of whoever is narrating. It's it's the, it's the viewpoint character. It's their indulgence. So I, I didn't want you to. Hmm. I mean, it's it's not you just uh, showing off. It's usually at the expense or to uh, to uh, qualify a character. So, but uh, other than that. No, I think we covered it. Let's keep this. Uh, well, I, oh, yeah, I, 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 just real quick, just so that nobody's like, "Wait a minute, you promised us, you promised us dish." Like, is there anything that you want to complain about? <laughs> is there anything you want to say? About oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We ought to make sure day? that we ought to see if there's something to complain about before yeah, we close yeah, the door. If there's something to complain. If you want to, if you want to uh, roast us, or you can you can complain about the past too, because that's you know anything sure. you want. I don't remember ever being upset or having any problems or anything like that. But uh, when Sean, when we're talking about Sean here, he has a tendency to have a, a, a rat ass idea. And as soon as he has the idea, for some reason, his brain assumes that everybody knows what that idea is. <laughs> next time we talk, he's like, oh, yeah, here's this thing. And you're like, I have no fucking idea. <laughs> it happened four times on the meeting yesterday. What's that? So then he'll lean to the next guy. Oh, Johnny, remember that? And Johnny's like, no, you didn't tell me. <laughs> You're not all in my board collective. What the fuck? <laughs> so, yeah, that's the thing is you, you will often find out some of your assignments three minutes after a meeting starts. And not only that, but you've also learned that Sean and somebody else has been talking about that assignment for a week. We, we, we've hashed out all the details of that assignment. And a lot of the times when those things come hey, to me, I'm not aware you. that you don't know. <laughs> Fuck the details. Right. I'm just, I'm just trying to be allegiant to your philosophy. There you um, go. Sometimes people need the details if they're involved. <laughs> yeah, man. Fair. <laughs> All right. So, so we'll close up. Um, just a reminder that uh, Joel's book, "Fuck the Details," is at Sterlingandstone.net/f-the-details. Um, but I'll also add that. We do have all of these new books coming out. We have a bunch of audiobooks that are, you know, being produced, and we'll tell you guys about those. But you need to be on the list, and that's at Sterlingandstone.net/slash/stone table because the stone table is now. I won't go into that story. Stone table is what we call our nonfiction line, and there's a lot going on there. Um, putting a lot of focus on it. So, so that's it. So, um, thank you, Joel, for being on. Thank all of you for being here. This was fun.
This was fun. This was good. Yeah, this was great. Looking forward to having more people on. Me too. Awesome, awesome. All right. right. Well, thank you. Thank you, everybody. And we'll see you next time. Adios. Bye-bye.